with the numbers over 40 is absolutely heartbreaking. Secure our borders. Stop the flow of illegal immigration. The smuggling organizations will go at any length necessary to make a dollar. This is horrific. We should all be frustrated. We should all be outraged. Enough is enough. But when are we going to take our outrage to Congress, to Secretary Marcus and the Biden administration to say, stop your open border policies? It's not real complicated. It is now the largest mass casualty smuggling tragedy in U.S. history. And it happened on June 27th in San Antonio, just hours away from the U.S. border. I'm Jamie Virgen of Sinclair Broadcasting in San Antonio, Texas, for this edition of Immigration Crisis, the fight for the southern border. The truck driver is running southbound on foot on along the railroad tracks. More than 50 migrants, including five children, lost their lives after the driver of the 18-wheeler that was transporting them into the U.S. allegedly left them in the back of the trailer with no air conditioning in the brutal Texas summer heat. Temperatures that day reached close to 100. What you're about to hear is the scanner chatter recorded by Broadcastify, which aired on our TV stations in San Antonio. They did mention the driver was running away from the, from the trailer southbound along the tracks. We're bringing out the faces that are breathing. We're putting them on the sidewalk on the street waiting for EMS. In it, we hear first responders as they frantically try to save lives and also look for the driver and those who may have left the migrants in that trailer. In this segment of Immigration Crisis, the fight for the southern border, we record live the night of the incident at the site and also speak with the former agent in charge of the San Antonio Region of Homeland Security Investigations, Ari Jimenez. But first, the reaction of Mark Morgan, the former acting commissioner of U.S. Customs and Border Protection, the day after the tragedy took place. We've been talking about this for a long time. We predicted this. Secure our borders. Stop the flow of illegal immigration. Look, this is horrific. We should all be frustrated. We should all be outraged. Enough is enough. But when are we going to take our outrage to Congress, to Secretary Marcus and the Biden administration to say, stop your open border policies? It's not real complicated. When they turned on catch and release, they incentivized, they encouraged. They're telling the migrants it's okay put your lives in the hands of these disgusting cartels who will treat you no better than a piece of trash because why are they willing to do this because they know this administration is going to release them into the interior United States and never deport them as long as those policies resist these migrants will continue to risk their lives we have to stop this. We haven't even talked about the 700 dead migrants that they found along our border under this administration, or the countless women and young children that are sexually abused on their journey, or the results of human trafficking and the atrocities that go with that. We could go on and on. Enough is enough. Every congressional member should be outraged and yelling from the steps of the Capitol for Secretary Mayorkas to resign and hold Biden responsible, because this blood is on their hands. So we're here with Adi Jimenez. Adi used to be in charge of Homeland Security investigations for part of South Texas. And Adi, we're doing the special podcast tonight from the site of what you're telling me is now going to break a sad record in the state. Absolutely. Unfortunately, uh, we have seen more and more of these tractor trailer cases. 
and we have seen how uh, many undocumented uh, are losing their life. But today, with the numbers over 40, um, it's absolutely uh, heartbreaking. That's going to be the most uh, that we have found in Texas in, in, in the most recent years. What is going on right now behind the lines that SAPD, the San Antonio Police Department, are holding the media back from? What are they doing in there? You have, you know, victims, right? Uh, so SAPD responding in force, uh, they're securing the perimeter. Uh, they're making sure that they can maintain good control uh, of everything that is around these individuals that were found dead. It is a crime scene. Uh, we have people that die because uh, perhaps they were told that they were going to be transported in a refrigerated unit, which in fact was not working, which means that in addition to the over 100 degree weather that we have in South Texas, you have individuals trapped, technically trapped inside a tractor trailer box we no means to escape, we no means to get any air inside. Very heartbreaking situation. So SAPD uh, absolutely taking care of the, the, the crime scene, taking care of, of, of controlling the, the movement. Now we have Holland Security Investigations, the federal agency that's gonna continue this investigation in place and they're gonna make sure that they, they can preserve everything from pieces of paper to phones to IDs, personal belongings, because especially with the disease, they have to utilize all this to try to identify them. Okay, let's talk about where we're at because people are gonna be listening to the podcast. So a lot of people don't live in South Texas. So two and a half hours south of here, Laredo, Texas, about three hours west, Del Rio, yes. right? San Antonio, we're on the very south side of San Antonio. There's a lot of brush. And there's trucks, uh, truck companies I saw when we were coming to this area. What would happen then? We had another incident where we had video and tell the people what you see in those videos normally when the truck is parked. So what we see is this area is, is, is coming to I-35, coming north. You, you, we are about a mile and a half from a truck stop. So the smugglers that put these undocumented immigrants in the back of, of the boxes. They try to commingle themselves, to mix with the regular uh, you know, tractor-trailer traffic going both north and south. Evidently, from that truck, truck stop, you come into this area. It's a, it's a very quiet. There's no lighting whatsoever. Uh, we are right by the railroad tracks. And they do this because here, they're gonna be away from prying eyes. They're gonna be away from the police. They're gonna mm -hmm. be away from the passersby on I-35. And they can then offload uh, the individuals that they have in the back and give it to other people that might be taking them in the, into the interior of the US. It could be Dallas, Houston, on the East Coast, Chicago, and, and, the, and the Midwest. So we have seen this over and over and over. They look for a secluded area away from people. And unfortunately, Again, we have over 40 people that lost their lives yes. crossing illegally into the United States. To me, it's absolutely sad, horrific. The scenes, the video that we have seen, uh, our helicopters have been flying over, our bodies laid out on the street and bodies, you can see them because the back of the trailer was open, just people slumped over dead. Uh, 
Police Chief Willie McManus, the Fire Chief Charles Hood of San Antonio, Mayor Nuremberg said it was about 46 people that have passed away. And another, I believe, was it 16 people 16 transported? People transported okay. to hospitals. What happens now? And they said three people were in custody. They're not sure yet what yes. their part was of all of this. So let's talk about that. What happens to the witnesses that may have survived this? So we have. Firstly, the three individuals are detained. We don't know the details. We don't know if it's the driver and passengers. We don't know if they're involved or not. It could be somebody that was uh, coming in to pick up some of the individuals' uh, intended cargo, human cargo, right? So we don't know. The investigation is going to tell us more about these individuals. Now, on the 16 people that survived, now they became material witnesses. Uh, yes, in the beginning, they agreed to be smuggled into the United States. So, so here's, here's the point of where we have to take it by faces. On to the point that they were put inside a box with no means of escape, they were voluntarily pay somebody to move them through the border uh, into the United States and taking them somewhere in the interior. However, when these individuals are put in a situation where their life is in danger because they're in a box, no means of escape, no means of survive, no air uh, circulating inside, now they are witnesses on a larger investigation. Uh, we mentioned about Holland Security Investigations taking the investigation from San Antonio Police Department because some San Antonio Police Department will be able to prosecute the driver, for example. Uh, under Texas law for human smuggling. But hum Homeland Security Investigation is going to be able to take that investigation all the way back to probably Central America, where some of these individuals came from, through Mexico, where they cross, um, and they have more resources and more investigative techniques uh, and, 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 and capacity to try to put together the, the whole uh, trip uh, from the moment that they were paying the smugglers down south crossing through Mexico, crossing the border, being put in stash house somewhere by the border. And then here, they basically are witnesses of a mass murder. We have 46 people that lost their life because somebody locked them into a container with no airflow. Uh, those individuals uh, have been transported to the hospital, area hospitals to be treated to make sure that they're fine. After that, um, when they're fine, they're gonna be interviewed by Homeland Security Investigation uh, special agents and they will be providing vital information. All these investigations are, take time. They are bits and pieces. They're pieces of a puzzle. Every one of those survivors have a piece of the puzzle. It could be a phone number, it could be a name, it could be an address, it could be uh, recognize somebody on a, on a photo lineup, and they become material witnesses. And these individuals will be most likely kept into, into the, uh, in the United States under some kind of uh, significant benefit parole. Um, to help in the investigation, um, and and this investigation is going to take uh, probably you know months or even years. Okay, so right now as we speak, I mean we're standing right now. It's a little bit dark. We just went live a few minutes ago, and like I said, we're doing the podcast right now. The number I believe was 16 or 14 that were transported. 16, we heard. Okay, yes. so those individuals now, if more pass away, do the counts go up on the federal side? In, exactly. So the individuals being maybe the three that are detained plus any, any other individuals that are identified through the investigation, they will face charges of endangerment in a smuggling venture, which basically is, is, is having people die under their 
control. So all these individuals already is facing 46 counts of that charge of endangerment. They have 46 people lost their life in, during the smuggling venture. Um, so this, this is going to follow everybody that can be identified into the smuggling venture. Uh, now remember, the human smuggling organizations, what we have seen throughout the years, they are all connected, but loosely. They're loosely connected because they sell, and that's exactly what I'm saying, they sell their people. They, they, don't, they don't see these immigrants as, as individuals with human life. They see them as just a commodity. They just move them around, they keep them, they, they store more money from them, they sell it to another smuggling organization to move them. So that's why these investigations are a little difficult and they take a little, a little more time because it's going to require putting together all these pieces that may be loosely connected. And eventually we're going to have that point where uh, we can bring this case to federal court. All right. Part of the job that they're doing, it is dark out here. I'm telling you now, I don't like being in the grass, especially late at night. It's very, it, it's full of grass, weeds, everything else. They're out there now also trying to identify. And I know that Homeland Security Investigations has a special unit, and you guys do help in other counties of South Texas. Brooks County, Sheriff Benny Martinez, the one county in the state of Texas that has the most number of migrants that are found dead. And you guys go out there and help. How do you guys proceed trying to identify people that may not have had IDs, that may have had fake IDs, to try and let their loved ones know that they have passed away? Yes, Jamie, that is absolutely, that's one of the big challenges. Here, for example, this 46, uh, they're going to run biometrics. They're going to run fingerprints. Uh, and if any of, of all these individuals have been in, 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 in some kind of contact with law enforcement, in the U.S. law enforcement in the past, meaning they may be a prior deport or, or a voluntary return, and they, some way, shape, or form, were in the U.S. and encounter uh, with the police, does a record. If they had never been in the U.S., if there was never an encounter with the U.S. law enforcement authorities, federal, state, or local, now you depend on whatever documentation they have on themselves. And it's very prevalent, like you mentioned, the fake IDs. So after the investigation takes as many possibilities to identify physically, locally, those, those, especially this, the disease, then we go to, um, to the different um, embassies or consulate because there are going to be family members that after a while, when they don't hear about the loved ones that were attempting to cross into the U.S., they might reach out to the consulate saying, my loved one, fill the blank, left on this date, and here's an ID or here's the picture, and we haven't found them. So all that information is, is, is followed, and also DNA testing. We have cases where when the consulate receive notification that family members have been lost and they're not communicating back and they they feel that they might be either they die in the brush because we're talking about very hot conditions walking for miles with little or no water and some of the either older or younger or sick will not survive and the smugglers they just leave them behind to die and sometimes like in Brooks County you have you find just the corpse so the medical examiner takes as many uh, provisions as necessary to try to identify the body and keeps DNA, keeps fingerprints. 
with hopes that eventually somebody will reach out saying, my loved one is missing, here's information. And we have cases where we have brought them in and, and, do, and conduct DNA testing or send something that belongs to the individual to conduct some DNA testing and try to match the remains with those of, of, the, uh, of the individuals that family members have identified as missing. Many times we're lucky and we get a positive match. Many times uh, they just, John Doe's and Jane Doe's are found in the brush and they just, there's nothing behind. Let me ask you, and we've done stories. I've known you how long now? About 10 years? Yes. About 10 years. So Adi and I have done many stories all over South Texas. Yes. One of those stories took us to Laredo, Texas. We have some information tonight that one of our other reporters uncovered, Jonathan Martinez, and it, it was that he called the owners of the trucking company. We got pictures with the name on the side. That owner is saying that that truck is not theirs, that it was cloned. Explain that because I'm sure people are going to be what what does that mean well what that means and, and clone exactly that um, we have seen many many vehicles like in this case this tractor trailer somebody took the time to to make the lettering the signage on the doors the uh, Department of Transportation numbers and similar to a real vehicle we have seen tractor trailers we have seen uh, oil and gas uh, trucks tankers, we have seen water tankers, we have seen Border Patrol Tahoes painted in white and green with a lettering USBP and a number. They're and so creative yes. at what they do. I mean, the amount of effort that's put into this, Yes. right? And yes, that's what they're cloned because at Plainview, you cannot decipher which one is the true one. For example, the Border Patrol uh, Tahoe that, that was uh, stopped on I-35 even had federal license plates and they were copy but they look legit so that's what they do they they try to as like in this case uh jonathan found out that this may be a clone vehicle again the investigation is going to confirm that or not but taking it at the initial investigation he conducted we're looking at that vehicle being cloned because the smugglers feel that it's safer to utilize a tractor trailer with a legitimate company is going to pass as a legitimate uh, vehicle and then you have the individuals mixing or commingling you know economic scales coming to a truck uh, truck stop and then moving here so it, it is it is possible it is something that they use necessity becomes the mother of invention they the smuggling organizations will go at any length necessary to make a dollar we have to remember that they don't care about the people in the back. That's never, that's never a concern. The concern is how much money I can make. That's why also we have these clone vehicles, most of the time outside they look uh, as a clone vehicle, but the inside either they don't have good uh, struts or they are unbalanced and they drive them uh, very uh, uh, risky. And that's when we have those rollovers that we have heard many times when they're trying to run away from police mm -hmm. or from the border patrol and that's when you have some rollovers and other incidents when we also have dead immigrants. Adi, the last time this happened we ended up following. I traveled down into Mexico. I went to Aguascalientes with our photojournalist. 
we went to the town where a lot of the people who were in the back of that 18-wheeler came from. It is a town where a lot of the people, and it's funny because they always would point this out to me, when you go back to Mexico, the towns that have the majority of the adult men that come work at the States, all you have to do is drive down and you can tell because they'll work real hard, go back, they start the foundation of the house. Then they come back and then they'll put up a wall six yes. months later. And we could see that in that community in Aguascalientes. Are you thinking that we may find that a concentration of the people like before came from a certain area because they all follow each other on Facebook and follow the Coyotes on Facebook and that's how they get, is that what you're thinking may, we may find here? Yes, listening to 46 disease, 16 transported, you do the math, that tractor trailer could have had up to 100 undocumented. So we don't know. When, when, when somebody approached the vehicle, the doors were already open. So is there a possibility that some of the people already left and jumped into someone's vehicle? That's a possibility. So the interviews are going to tell us how many people actually were put into that tractor trailer. Sometimes we don't even know because if they did it the night before, it's in the, in the darkness. But what we have found out that there's clusters, clusters of people. So among those 46 DCs, there might be a cluster of family members. Uh, there might be people from the same uh, municipality in Mexico or in Central America. It could be in Guatemala. Usually they are people that they... They collect the money together, they pay somebody, the smuggler go to those locations and offer all these promises of how they're going to guarantee that they're going to, not only that they're going to go through, they're going to be transported very comfortable in a refrigerated box, which in this case, just like happened in Victoria in 2003, just like happened in uh, at the Walmart parking lot in July 2017, refrigerated unit not working temperatures over 150 degrees in the middle of the summer and that's what we find. And I don't think people understand and, and there's both sides of this issue. You know, people that say, well, they paid and they died, they died because they took a chance. And other people would say they're still a human being. I don't think people understand what a death is like when you're locked up in the back of a trailer like that. They suffocate. We heard a lot of that on the last tractor trailer. What else have you heard when you've had to deal with these situations when you were a part of Homeland Security? And, and I mentioned it earlier. Yes, these individuals are part of the smuggling venture when they agree to be smuggling to the United States. We don't take that away. They pay somebody to bring them illegally into the country. We don't take that away. On to the moment that that individual is put in a is in danger and is put in a situation where they cannot escape, they cannot breathe. It's, it's similar to the situation where we have people in the stash house that get separated from family members and that's when we have a lot of the younger males and females utilized as human trafficking and they sexually exploited. Yes, they pay at the beginning to make it here, but that doesn't give the smugglers the right to to victimize them, to take advantage of them, to either use them for sexual exploitation or leave them behind to die. If we stop, we have, we can never lose our humanity. These are human beings. It doesn't matter. We cannot do that. You can be on any side of the, of the discussion about border security or illegal immigration, that's fine but we have to always maintain our humanity.
That's what makes us different than animals. That's what makes this country great because we are looking at the humanity of the situation. With that said, and this will be my last question, how do you walk away from a scene like that? I've had several sources telling me it is gruesome that they were laid out. They had all of these bodies laid out and it was one of the worst things that they have ever seen. How do you walk away after you've done over 20 years of seeing scenes like that? How are you able to continue or were you able to continue with the work that you were doing? There's the, all I can tell you is uh, I hope that yes, they're going to be victim, victim advocates um, helping the survivors. Um, I hope that SAPD, Fire, San Antonio Fire Department, and Homeland Security Investigation are listening. And they remember to take care of our own because we forget the first responders that have to go into that tractor trailer and sort out between the dead bodies and the survivors to sort out four children, at least four pediatric that were transported, to make sure that you're moving people that die just hours ago, minutes ago, because like the Chief Hood said, they were hot to the touch, heat stroke. There are things that you can never, never unseen. And you try to forget, but you can't forget. Um, this builds up on you. First responders build up. Um, my call to my brothers and sisters, first responders, fire, EMS, and police, and Homeland Security Investigations is, um, after we process the scene, after everything is, is, is smooth, talk to somebody. Look for help because uh, we keep putting into our bucket. We keep putting more and more into a bucket and our bucket eventually is gonna overflow. And we feel that we can go home and everything's fine, but it's not fine. That builds up and unfortunately, some people uh, take it, uh, you know, alcohol, some people, you know, react, you know, with their families. Look for help. I hope that we give our first responders some help and, and, and the opportunity to talk about this. This is a terrible scene. Nobody wants to see it, but you have to do your job and somebody has to do that. Well, I thank you so much, Ari. Ari Jimenez uh, used to be in charge of Homeland Security Investigations, South Texas, which included San Antonio. And I can say for myself as a journalist, I'm standing here listening to you and I am wondering where am I going to end up to follow the trail that these people took to get here, to go back and see what they left behind that made them so desperate to get in the back of a trailer with the heat that we're experiencing in Texas. And some of them lost their lives here tonight in San Antonio, Texas. Thank you, Adi. For Sinclair Broadcasting, I'm Jami Virgen, and thank you for joining us. And be on the lookout for our next edition of Immigration Crisis, The Fight for the Southern Border.